G'day and welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Now, just a reminder, the clarity of the recording isn't quite as good as when we're in the studio. So our apologies there. But as I've been saying every week for the past year, it's better than nothing because at least then we can continue grad chat for you all to listen to. Now, today is a bit special as instead of just coming to talk to one grad student, I actually have three with me today. And that is because we've invited them to talk about an upcoming symposium called the Queen's Northern Research Symposium. And this symposium has had lots of success over the years. And what is also good, which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring, bring them all on, is that grad students help to coordinate it. So with that, let me introduce you to Carolyn Bonter, who is doing a PhD in geography and planning, studying vegetation ecology at the Forest Tundra Transition Zone. Love those titles. Carrie Evans, who is doing a Master of Science in Biology, who recently participated in the three-minute thesis competition and talked about Arctic food webs under siege. And Yifang Wang, who is doing a PhD in Geography and Planning and researching permafrost in Labrador. Not with us today, though, but the faculty lead for the symposium is Dr. Melissa Lafreniere, whose research area is the Arctic watershed biogeochemistry. So with that, welcome, Carolyn, Carrie and Yifang. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And I think one of the things I should say is, first of all, before we even talk about the symposium, let's just find a little bit about your research. And we don't have to spend a lot because I know we've got lots to talk about today. Maybe, Carolyn, can you just give me a bit of a background of your work that you're doing? Yeah, as you mentioned, I work at the Forest Tundra Transition Line. So that's really where the boreal forest ends and the tundra, so the treeless, more Arctic uh, landscape begins. And there, that's an area like all areas of the Arctic is warming rapidly with climate change. And what I'm doing is I'm studying how vegetation is changing in this region. And my study area is particularly in the range of of the uh, declining Bathurst caribou. I would love to talk to more, so I know I'm going to get all th- have to get all three of you back on at some stage just to talk about your own work. Fantastic. Thank you. And Yifang? So I work in the eastern Canadian subarctic in coastal Labrador in the traditional lands of the southern Labrador Inuit and the Innu. And I specifically research permafrost, and I'm really interested in understanding the current distribution of permafrost landforms along the coast of the Labrador Sea and also of understanding how resilient it is to future climate change and vegetation and snow just distributions and dynamics. That's great. Carrie, what about you? So I research lakes and I'm looking at how suspended sediments from permafrost thaw in the high Arctic affect zooplankton community structures. So zooplankton play a key role in aquatic food webs because they act as a link between lower trophic levels like phytoplankton and higher trophic levels like fish. And I'm interested in understanding how 
the zooplankton community assemblage or what, what makes up the community changes in response to these suspended sediments. Fascinating. This is why the 2021 Queen's Northern Research Symposium is going to be really, really important to sort of help you as researchers also listen what else is going on there. Because I'm, I'm a big one for looking at more interdisciplinary type work, but also giving students an opportunity to share what they have been doing, which could help someone else in their research along the way. So let's get straight into it. Got lots of questions for you. And I guess the easiest question to ask straight up, what is the Northern Research Symposium? Well, the Queen's Northern Research Symposium, as you mentioned earlier, Colette, is an annual student-run conference, and it brings together folks from Queen's University who are involved in Northern Research, quite simply. (laughs) Our 2021 conference will be held virtually on Tuesday, April 13th from about 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and this year we chose a theme of many sciences, many peoples, and We see that as a tribute to the diversity of disciplines that come together at the Queen's Northern Research Symposium. As Carolyn described, this is a symposium about Northern research. And you might be wondering, well, what do we mean by the North? So our definition of North is very broad. Essentially, if your research takes place anywhere from the boreal regions of the Canadian provinces to the circumpolar Arctic, we would love to hear about it. The conference is organized and hosted by the Departments of Geography, Biology, and Environmental Studies, and researchers from all disciplines are welcome. This includes, but it's certainly not limited to, social and health sciences, engineering, and natural sciences. So it's very interdisciplinary. So you mentioned it was for for Queen's people, as it's going to be virtual. Can people outside or researchers outside of Queen's be a part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The invite obviously goes out within the Queen's circles, but we also include people from Royal Military College. We've had folks from Carleton University, Ottawa University travel. We also include students who have recently graduated, and this might be their chance to present their research for for the first time in full to an audience. That would be really good. And I imagine also postdocs would be interested in doing this too. It's interesting you mentioned like Carleton and Ottawa and some of those universities because I know for instance Carleton does a lot of work on fisheries doesn't it? I mean they've out at cubes and things they've they've got their little sort of session out there so it's great that we can give this opportunity to other students outside of the, the Queen's community. I also wanted to jump in and say that as mentioned before this is a student-run conference and I'd say that one of the the main purposes of this conference is to provide an opportunity for students to present their research in a relatively informal setting. And it's also great for networking and for broadening their overall knowledge of the North and of Northern research that's done based out of Queen's University. So the presentations that we have planned for this year, they range in terms of seeing like a research proposal all the way up to maybe a final completed thesis. So we have a whole range of different kinds of projects and research for this year. I would imagine in past you would have had poster presentations. Are you able to do that this year? Yeah, so we've got about 15 oral presentations and about 10 poster presentations that will be featured in the Queen's Northern Research Symposium this year. That, 
that's brilliant. I mean, it's a great, like you said, it's a great opportunity for our students to get involved both in the organizing, but also in the presenting side. So great opportunity there. So if you don't mind, I'm going to move on because I know how quickly time flies for us. So my next question is, why have a conference dedicated to northern research? I mean, the north is a very large area. So how could different research projects possibly relate? You are absolutely correct, Colette. The north is vast, diverse and unique. And so too is the variety of research taking place in and about the North. However, a few key features tie into almost any Northern research project, either directly or indirectly. For one, the North is sparsely populated and very remote. This obviously has implications for how we travel to and within field sites, but also in how we effectively liaise with communities and communicate our work to Northern people, as well as the direction that policy or management actions might take on research findings. It also means that there are many areas that we just don't know anything or very little about. Is there other things there why it's important for Northern research? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say in Northern research right now, there's a really big movement towards incorporating a lot of different ways of knowing and different kinds of knowledge into Northern research. To understand things like people and place and culture, we really need to incorporate a lot of different perspectives from not just Indigenous versus non-Indigenous knowledge, but also from maybe the Western Arctic to the Eastern Arctic. So there's a lot of different processes that are going on that we all we need to consider. In the North, climate change is, is a really big issue. It's causing warming of the North at a rate that's almost three times faster than any other part of the planet. And this has really big implications on both physical processes, like maybe sea ice and vegetation change, but also on more human-related impacts related to health and food security and infrastructure. So hopefully a platform like the Queen's Northern Research Symposium will help us to draw connections between these different themes. So not being a geographer, where does the north start, this area, on the the latitude? You sound like you're a committee member for my qualifying exam. (laughs) There are many different discussions (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on on what what constitutes the arctic what constitutes the north is it from for our definition it's really from those northern reaches of the boreal forest the less settled southern areas of canada heading up all the way up to the poles some define it by being north of 60 some define it by the the tundra and beyond there are many different definitions right. of what is the north what is even the arctic so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but one of the reasons I wanted to ask that, because, I mean, I guess you're talking about the north within the the continent of North America, but where does it go across other continents? Because I imagine they have similar things going on in their north. Absolutely. Or maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The, the north is the whole around the North Pole and as far down south as your definition includes. For the Queen's Northern Research Symposium, for anyone presenting research outside of North America, we're including more like the tundra regions and the the polar deserts of the high, high Arctic. And then in Canada, we are extending a little bit down into the tree line just to give opportunity for those perspectives because they are very much relevant and they are very much Northern research for our purposes. Well answered. Thank you, guys. I love it. <laughs> so so the ne- my next question is, for each of you, what has been your involvement with the Queen's Northern Research Symposium? Well, this is the ninth year 
of the Queen's Northern Research Symposium, and it's run every single year since 2013, with the exception of last year when it was cancelled due to COVID. I myself attended QNRS in 2018, I believe it was, 2017-2018, before I started my studies. So my introduction to research at Queen's and Northern Research was at this symposium, this conference, and that's where I got to meet other folks. And then last year I was part of the organizing committee and then it got cancelled. And so this year I'm back trying, trying a second time around and also planning to present a poster at this year's conference, so a presenter as well. That's brilliant. Carrie, what about you? This is my first year being involved with the Queen's Northern Research Symposium. So it's quite a new experience for me. But given that I'm the only graduate student in my lab group who does Arctic research, sometimes I can feel a little bit alone. So the biggest benefit that I've personally felt from helping to organize this conference, and that involves everything from lining up the keynote speakers to figuring out the schedule. The biggest benefit I've experienced has been getting to learn about all the other fascinating Northern research that's happening at Queen's and connecting with this network of my peers who also do Arctic research. And Yifeng, what about you? Yeah, my experience is actually quite similar to Carolyn's. I first attended the Queen's Northern Research Symposium in 2019, so the year before I started my PhD at Queen's. So that was my first taste of Northern research at Queen's. And it was a really great opportunity to learn about all of the different projects that are going on at Queen's University to meet some of the professors and to also meet some of the peers that are still at Queen's today. So after attending the Queen's Northern Research Symposium this year, I thought it would be really fun, really great to get more involved and to join the, the organizing committee this year. That's great. And it's interesting that um, you've, you've mentioned the fact that going to the symposium before you even started your studies was an impetus for you to get involved in, in certain areas of, of research. So it's clearly shown some some great work out there to get people thinking, oh, you know what, I want to do a little bit of that as well. And of course, everyone wants to know when it comes to a symposium, what are the topics? Because that's what gets people thinking, yeah, you know what, I want to go to that. So can one of you or all of you talk a little bit about some of the topics that are going to be presented this year? Because I know you said there was a couple of different themes and I'm going to go back there. Many sciences, many people uh, looking at tribute to diversity of disciplines that come together. This year's presentations fell into the broad themes of polar bear research, community-based collaborative research, Arctic vegetation, nutrients, carbon and soil, and the effects of mining contaminants, with perspectives from the Geography and Planning Department, Geological Sciences and Geological Engineering, Public Health Sciences, Environmental Studies, Biology, Chemistry, and Civil Engineering. As you can see, the diversity of presentations that will be at this year's Queen's Northern Research Symposium greatly reflect, reflects the focus of current research, which changes quite a bit from year to year. Yeah, in addition to not just all the perspectives that we've got, we've also got research being conducted from the Western Canadian Arctic to the Eastern Canadian Arctic, and all the way up in the high Arctic. So we're hoping that even if people don't see a, a research topic that's directly related to their own work, they might be able to connect with a keynote speaker or a student presenter who does research in their own region so that maybe they can connect and network. That's a really important point too, that 
just because you don't see yourself specifically exactly in something doesn't mean that it's not relevant. So for example, as I mentioned earlier, I study, I study plants up on the tundra and I was invited to a health conference this past fall uh, organized by a health unit in the Northwest Territories. And it was very, very relevant to the work I do because the plants are food for animals like caribou, which are critically important to the health and well-being of the Indigenous communities that rely on those animals. So it really tied into a, a physical health, a mental health, a spiritual health, and it was connections and ideas and insights that I never would have thought of with my own work. And so we really hope that what people glean from the Queen's Northern Research Symposium is more than just sharing their research and hearing about what's going on, but also thinking about how you might fit in and how your work fits into that bigger picture or little connections that you can you can network with and uh, take advantage of to make your work better. That was a really good example of the you looking at vegetation and looking how it affects the caribou, etc., and the health in general of the whole ecosystem that's up there. And I must admit, as soon as someone starts talking about polar bears, I get very excited because I think they're rather wonderful animals. Plants and, are wonderful um, too. Who are I, plants? Yeah, well, you know, as, as somebody who studies plants on a caribou range, I often get people say, as they hear me describe my work and they associate me with studying caribou. And I have to remind them that, you know, plants are sexy too. So anytime they someone someone really likes the megafauna, I point out that, you know what, you can like a lot of things. There are other cool things out there. <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh, Carrie looks at the vegetation with thawing and things so how that works that's see all three of you have some sort of connection as well so <laughs> I love those sorts of things but but it's also interesting that you were sort of you know right at the beginning we're talking about you know the knowledge translation and how it all fits together that more holistic approach of what's going on with the ecosystem up north and how the different interactions can have uh, have an impact and even to the the point where you say you've got some people talking about you know what happens with mining mining that goes on up there and the impact that has even though they try try and do what they you know do it in a nice way it's not going to happen because that's not natural the mining's not natural um so and i like the fact too that you you also said you're not just looking at one little region you're looking from west to east um and then from the borderline all the way up to the top which must have it must be huge differences because it's, it's not a small area that you're talking about there <laughs> it's a really big area so i really like that the way it's all coming together so this will be the first, as you mentioned, last year it had to be cancelled, this symposium, because, you know, the pandemic gave us a bit of a, a bit of a flip on a few things. And so being the first time you're delivering it virtually, how has it been to transition to putting together a virtual conference? And what can attendees expect on the day in terms of the virtual experience? Because, I mean, this, there's going to be some bonuses being virtual in case, in, 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 for instance, with more people being able to attend who perhaps couldn't in person. Um, so there's those sorts of policies. But what can you tell me about now delivering it virtually for the first time? Like, or if you had two years to prepare for it now? 
<laughs> no, no, we've been we've been working on this since uh, we assembled in maybe late November or so to start the planning. And oh my goodness, the logistics of planning a, an event through a screen and everybody on a screen and sharing emails and files, definitely not as smooth as if we were together. Mm-hmm. But we're actually quite pleased at what the Queen's Northern Research Symposium is going to have to offer this year. So we chose a platform, a conference platform called Hopin to host the conference. And a lot of people are familiar with Zoom and comfortable with Zoom. And Hopin's really, really similar, which is partly why we went with it, so that people have some familiarity. The only extras is that it there should be a smoother flow moving in and out of, of conference rooms and breakout rooms. And there's also an expo area that we can display posters. We've decided to ask oral presenters to pre-record their presentations just to help us stick on time. And we have, we've grouped our oral presentations into five themes. So community, land, water, plants, and polar bears. And after each set of oral presentations from a theme, there'll be a breakout group where the presenters almost become a panel and the audience can ask questions of that group and they can all take turns answering. And that will be a live discussion period. And then posters, we've decided to make them available for viewing the day before. And then we've invited the authors to submit a two-minute elevator pitch or something about why they're excited about their research or what they want to promote or show about their research. And there's going to be a session showing, those will be pre-recorded, but playing those Mm -hmm. along with pictures of the posters that people can go through each one. And then... We'll have another session where the poster groups, uh, there'll be a couple of breakout rooms with posters, not necessarily all from the areas. There are overarching themes that tie them together, but very, very different research. And then people can come together and drop, the audience can drop into one of the two or three rooms. And again, it'll be like a panel and a discussion and a, a bit of a meet and greet there. And then, of course, the, the Hopin conference platform allows the audience and, and the presenters at the Queen's Northern Research Symposium to have a one-to-one interactions or private chat. And you're right, it's, it's very nice that you can, as it says, hop in from one session to another. So if you've got concurrent sessions going on, it's easy to separate them. And, and I, think, I think you're being very wise pre-recording because we never know what's going to happen with people's technology in their own home. And you don't want that to sort of halfway through the presentation, lose them. But at least if it's on the same platform, i.e. pre-record, that's great. But still allowing, as you said, people the opportunity to ask questions after in a live format. So it sounds like you've got it really, really well organized. But usually in symposiums, there's usually at least a keynote speaker or something like that. Do you have keynote speakers? So one of the biggest bonuses of having a virtual conference is that one, it broadens who will be able to attend and two, it also gives a wider reach for who we can bring in as keynote speakers. Uh, This year, we've invited two keynote speakers and the first is Jason Edmonds, uh, who is someone that I'm fortunate enough to uh, have met personally. And Jason is an Inuk from Nunatsiavut. And he is an expedition leader with Adventure Canada. Now, Adventure Canada is a trailblazing Canadian ecotourism company. He specializes in ecotourism in Inuit Nunangat, which is um, the Inuit homelands of Canada, much of the Arctic. And he works with local leaders and researchers to develop community-focused, socially conscious travel initiatives. That's great. 
Yeah, our, our second keynote speaker is Dr. Lisa Lissetto, who is a research scientist with the Department of Fisheries and Oceans based out of the Freshwater Institute in Winnipeg, Manitoba. But in addition to being a research scientist with the federal government, she also wears a couple of other hats as well. So in addition to that, she's also an assistant professor at the University of Manitoba, where she received her PhD. And she's also co-editor-in-chief of the interdisciplinary journal Arctic Science. So we're really excited to be able to hear about all of the different perspectives that Lisa has. Her own research program is dedicated to the health of beluga whales as an indicator species for understanding the health of the broader ecosystem. We're also really excited because with these two keynote speakers, Jason represents maybe the Eastern Canadian Arctic and then Lisa represents the Western Canadian Arctic. So we're really hoping that all of our attendees will be able to relate with either one of them and and maybe we'll be able to to forge a connection between these two exceptional leaders in northern research. Yes, I've used hop in before and it is it is a good one. That sounds like you you know you guys have really got it organized really really well and I like I like the platform you're using. I like types of presentations and posters both from keynote and from others which is great. So how do people get in get to participate. I take it you've got all your presenters already sorted and now it's a matter of getting participants to join in because I mean part of a, a symposium is having those interactions and getting enough people to sort of chat about the various topics that uh, are talked about. Yeah well I guess I would say that for anyone who's interested in northern research mark your calendars for Tuesday April 13th for the Queen's Northern Research Symposium. It's a free event I guess we should have mentioned that earlier thanks to the Office of the VP Research. It's free for people to attend and open to all disciplines and you can register via the Queen's Northern Research Symposium website which is queensnrs.wordpress Dot com and registrations will be open till the end of the week. So again, mark your calendars Tuesday, April 13th and register for it at the at the website queensnrs.wordpress.com. And I'll also put that on our website as well if I haven't already and we, we can help push that and of course I'm sure CFRC will help push that as well if you want to do a PSA for them. They could help push it out. So, so that would be good. So any last, any last thoughts from all of you? I mean, you, you've given us an idea of why you wanted to be involved. Are you getting excited knowing the, the, the schedule that you've got and the presenters have you got? Is, is it turning out to be really exciting for you? Do you already know which ones you want to go and listen to yourself if you have time? Although I guess they're pre-recorded. That helps. <laughs> Yeah, I think things are falling into place quite well right now. And I think the next step for for many of us is just to kind of prepare our own presentations since many of us will be presenting at the Queen's Northern Research Symposium. So that'll definitely be part of our next steps. And Carrie, what about you? I'm very excited to, one, see how all of our hard work will pay off and two, to hear about all the hard work that other Queen's students have been doing all year. That's great. And Carolyn? Yeah, I uh, I mi- really missed it last year. I wish we could have had, had the conference, but really looking forward to hearing what this year's cohort of researchers is doing. There are just some really broad, broad topics and stuff out there. And I've been responsible for putting together posters. I'll be going into the breakout room and aligning and oral presentations into different themes. And 
it's it's interesting as I look at things that at first glance seem so different from each other to pick up commonalities. And so I'm really excited to to see how my research fits into the bigger picture of what's happening at Queen's. That's really good. And actually, there's one question I didn't ask you, and I've just realized. Is there like a people's choice or something? Because I've seen that at some symposiums where, you know, you get to pick your favorite presentation and things. Who's going to answer that one? (laughs) Carolyn, do you want to do it? Yeah, uh, this year at the Queen's Northern Research Symposium, we are going to be offering cash awards to people's choice of poster and people's choice of oral presentation. So there will be reminders in the program for people to be on alert for something that stands out that really communicates the research well and and really captivates them. So uh, there'll be, we're not, we haven't fully worked out how it's going to work this year. We just, we just know that we've set aside some funds and we're hoping to advertise that, promote that and run it. Somehow we're going to do our hop in trial next week. We, unlike you, we haven't tried this platform yet ourselves, but we're hoping to run some sort of poll or something that goes out at a set time and, and then we announce the winner set. Uh, the end of the day at the closing remarks. That would be brilliant. And I know the SGPS and their symposium a couple weekends ago, they had some sort of people's choice type thing. So you may want to chat with them to see how the, how they did theirs. And, and having a practice on the platform is really helpful. <laughs> so <laughs> There's a lot that goes on in the back end of some of those things. And once you know it, it's dead easy. It's just that initial thing. I was going to say, we really appreciate your vote of confidence as someone who's actually used Hopin and said good things about it. Uh, I was just wondering, I, I noticed when you're describing the Arctic, you referred to the high Arctic as the top. So as somebody from the Southern Hemisphere, would that make the South Pole the bottom? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we now go from the tree line to the bottom. <laughs> I love that question. In case anyone hadn't guessed, I'm from Australia. So to me, the proper side is the southern, which is the top. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day we'll include the southern poles because, yeah, lots going on at, at those remote regions. Anyway, Carolyn, Carrie and Yafang, thank you so much for coming on to the show and explaining about the Northern Symposia. It really is going to be fabulous and I know you guys are going to do a great job with it. So thank you for the three of you for coming on and taking the time to do that today. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Colette. So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Hey.